This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Excited to uh, to start uh, a new series this morning. For those who don't know, we uh, as a church we we embrace the fivefold ministry. So that's uh, apostolic prophetic, pastoral, teaching, and evangelistic. So in this series, we're going to focus more on the teaching component, which is basically just really getting into the Word and uh, seeing what God's Word says to us. And also another component that's important to understand about us is we don't only want to um, proclaim who God is, we want to demonstrate who He is. Okay, so I will often share stories that are a little bit out of the box, but something that God did that's real. Because I want to stir your faith. I want to reveal to you God is powerful. That He's real. Every testimony is evidence for the reality of God. And every story I share is to encourage you to say, Man, I believe. And God can do the same and more in my life. Amen. So uh, on Tuesday night, we prayed with Rosie, um, Ellen's wife, one of our elders' couples, and she was diagnosed on Monday with, this week, past week, Monday, with major eye problems, possibly going blind in the one eye. And a whole lot of things like a growth and a whole lot of issues in, in, in her eyes. And so she was very upset about it. But she was like, I believe Jesus can turn this. So on Tuesday night at our life group leaders meeting, we had a, we prayed for her and it was amazing just to see, to feel the tangible presence of God right there in that moment. So we put our hands on her and we prayed for healing. And she felt, like I think I put my hand here on the side of her head, and she felt like electricity flowing through her eyes. I can really sense God's anointing of healing is present. And then on Thursday, she went to the eye guys again to have her eyes tested, and they changed the diagnosis. To something small. Amen. How cool is that? From Monday to Thursday. God is good. Amen. So another area that's something that, that's been, been happening in my life over the last while is I am I'm getting words in other languages supernaturally. And so to, if you go read Acts chapter 2, um, you'll see with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they literally spoke, supernaturally spoke human languages. So the, the Jews are like, what's going on here? These guys are speaking our language. And this was supernatural. It was a sign to them. You know, so at times when we, what's called pray in, to pray in tongues is when your spirit prays to God. And so you are a soul, spirit, and body. So when your spirit prays to God, uh, it's, and using your mouth, not your brain speaking, it's your spirit speaking to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's called praying in tongues. So often in our prayer meetings, we would pray in tongues. And so this morning, um, just before the service, I was praying in tongues, and I was just this one word stood out. The word is called makoyisa. So I was saying makoyisa, makoyisa. Now, I don't know these languages. So I checked on Google Translate, and in Zulu, it means victory. How cool is that? And we're doing a series on he who overcomes. And I, I just feel God is saying supernaturally, the victory is yours. The victory is yours. 
He's speaking this is a prophetic word over our lives that God is saying the victory is yours in Christ we have the victory. Amen. And I believe God is saying to us that he's he's calling each one of us to overcome to overcome to not settle for where we have been at. You know when it comes to the topic of overcoming which is a theme all through scripture you know, we all know failure, don't we? We all know those moments, those seasons, those days, or those times in our lives that we feel like failures. We feel like nothing's happening in my life, or everything's going wrong, or I've tried and I've, I'm biting the dust again. You know, you're like, what is it with me? Why can't I overcome this? Or, or maybe you're struggling with, you know, just addictions or, or your flesh, the fleshly nature, or just, you know, you feel like you have, you've failed God. You should have, you, you should have done better. Or maybe you feel like you failed yourself. You know? And, and then you find yourself in that, in that hole. How do you get up again? How do you get out of it? So in the series, we're going to look at this. How, how, can you and I overcome the different challenges and areas of our lives? And the one thing that I've learned is that our emotions are not trustworthy. They lie to us. Don't allow your emotions. When you feel like a failure, it's a lie. It's not who you are. And I've also learned that circumstances can change quickly. You feel like it's over. It's never going to get better. You feel like you're in that hole. It's just a feeling. It can change very quickly. Like even for Rosie, I'm going blind in my one eye to four days, three days, two days later. No longer. God is good. So God can do the same for you. He's a miracle working God. And guys, we feel, I feel so strongly about this. It's something that we will not compromise on. We will not compromise on the greatness of God. We will not compromise that our God is alive and powerful now. We will not allow false theologies that our God doesn't work powerfully anymore. We will not allow that. We're taking a stand. We're drawing a line in the sand. We're saying we will be faithful to God's word and to who he is. So let's, let's trust him. And I'm trusting that it's going to, you know, wherever you might be at right now, how hopeless you might be, trusting that God's going to lift you up today. Amen. Come on, let's say, victory is mine. Amen. So, we're going to look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. Each week, I'm going to look at one of them. And to give you some context, John the Apostle, he was an old man at this time in, 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 in Revelation chapter 1. He was an old man, and he has overcome in his life. Church history says the Romans tried to kill him. They poisoned him. But they couldn't kill him. He would just come back to life. Because God wasn't finished yet. And so in the end, they banished him to the Isle of Patmos. Because they just didn't know what to do with this guy. And so he's on the Isle of Patmos. And I can just imagine what he must have been going through. Like thinking, I'm wasting my life. What am I doing here? You know, maybe looking back at his whole life and wondering, have I, have I done what God has called me to do? And in the midst of that, it says he found himself, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he had this incredible epic encounter with a glorified Christ. 
the one with, uh, with fire in his eyes. It says that he, 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 he shone like the sun in full power. And so he heard this voice speaking behind him. And the next moment when he turned around and he looked and he saw Jesus, the glorified Christ, it says he was so overwhelmed by this glory that he fell down as one dead. And then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Are you sure? (laughs) And then he starts to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. And he starts to proclaim, Jesus proclaims who he is. Fearsome, wonderful, almighty God. The, he who is king over his church and this whole world. The whole universe is his. And so he, he basically reveals who he is. And then he speaks to John and he says, John, give these messages to the seven churches. And I believe that the message is, is it's a timeless message. It is still relevant for us today because we battle with the same things. And so each of these churches had certain obstacles that they were facing. And Jesus commended them where they were doing right. And they would reveal to them something they might have even have known that they're facing. And then he would highlight that. And then he would encourage them to overcome it. And then he would say, he who overcomes will receive this blessing, will receive this reward. In each and every one of the letters he says, he who overcomes. And then the reward. He who overcomes. And then the reward. And so that's where the title comes from. He who overcomes. It's like, okay, God, what are you saying to us? So every week we're going to look at a, an obstacle. And we're going to look at a key how to overcome those obstacles. Amen. Let me pray for us. and going to share. Father, thank you that your word is alive and powerful. Your word will not return void. And God, we pray that this day, each one of us would step into that place of overcoming in you. So Lord, have your way in us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so where do we start when it comes to overcoming? At the start of each message, I want to share a, a scripture that is not in the book of Revelation, but a scripture about overcoming. So I want to read this one, 1 John 5, verse 4. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It says, Whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So what this is saying is, If you have been born of God by His Holy Spirit, you've been saved. You've been born again. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. Then I have good news. It is in your DNA to overcome. Your spiritual DNA. It is who you are. You are an overcomer. Because you are His offspring. He is the ultimate overcomer. God Almighty. He has overcome. And He says... Whatever, whoever is born of God overcomes. Now you need to start here. If you want to overcome whatever, because life's going to happen, challenges are going to come. Where do you start? As it says there, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Come on, say our faith. In other words, you need to believe before you have done anything. You've done squat. You've done nothing. Everything looks like you're a failure. Life isn't working. How do you overcome? You begin by believing 
I am an overcomer. This is who I am. I am born of God. Therefore, I will overcome. It is in my, my spiritual blood. It's in my bloodline. It's in your bloodline. You are royalty. You are his offspring. And whatever is born of God overcomes. I want to counter those lies, those doubts. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to pan out okay. I want to say to you, it is in Jesus' name. But you need to believe it. You see, you are in Christ when you surrender your life to him. So you are in the overcomer. That's where you need to position yourself by faith. But now there's a secondary component. Not only being in Christ by faith, but having Christ in you tangibly, undeniably. His presence within you. If you want to truly overcome, have the overcomer within you as well. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at. But there are a whole lot of traps when it comes to overcoming in life. We need to apply the principles of Scripture. And in the specific verses, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to about 7, we're going to look at them now. It reveals one of the biggest traps for believers. And it basically comes down to distraction. It, it comes down to losing the fire in your heart for the living God. Losing your first love. Losing that passion. But now look at this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. You, when you read this, it's like a CV of accomplishments for this church. Jesus begins off by speaking to them all the good things they're doing. And it is significantly impressive. So let's look at verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. So he's speaking to John. John, write this to the angel, the messenger, who's probably the leader of that church. Speak to, write these things down. Messenger. These things, says he, who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Now each one of the stars represents these messengers or these leaders. So Jesus is saying, I'm holding these guys, I'm holding these churches in my, in my right hand. Then he says, and walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And each of the lampstands represents one of the seven churches. And so Jesus, the one who holds them in his right hand, and the one who walks among, amongst the, the seven churches. And then he says, I know. He's the one who holds, he's the one who walks amongst us, he's the one who knows everything. And I'll listen to this. This is an impressive list of things. He says, I know your works, your labor. These guys were hardworking Christians. Your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. Guys, you hate evil. Well done. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You've exposed the charlatans. You've exposed the, the fakes. We have a few fakes in Gauteng. Have you seen the fake miracles? I'm like, guys, you freak me out. (laughs) You're bringing such damage to the name of God because he is a miracle worker, but you guys, yeah. Lord, deal with him. Amen. And you have tested those who say they are apostles 
and are not, and I found them liars. So you, you, you don't get just messed around. You, you're not, you're not uh, easily tricked. You check it out. You test the spirit. And it says, and you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tasted those who say they're apostles or not. I found them liars. Verse 3. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now, guys, if we read that, that's, this is an impressive church. They say it was a massive church. This was a successful church. Ephesus was a, 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 a key point in, in, in that region, uh, a harbor city, and a, a lot of things were happening, huge amphitheaters and temples, a lot of people. It was a, it was a, a, big, a big city for the time, and this was a massive church. Some say tens of thousands of people. So it looks like, hey, things are good. <laughs> woo we're all good. Everything's fine. Thank you, Jesus. We're feeling good. And then Jesus reveals a massive, a major, massive, glaring problem that he saw. Because you see, he looks into the heart. You see, he, he, he doesn't, God doesn't look at success like we do. We look at certain things, money, numbers, size, what people have done. And we think, sharp, sharp, man, that's impressive. Jesus says, no, I don't only, I look at your works ultimately, yes, and there needs to be good works, but I look at your heart. And he says, I have this against you. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love, that you've abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Ish. And he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. I mean, you almost like want to, but Jesus, aren't you seeing everything we're doing for you? Isn't this impressive? Man, we hate evil. We persevere. We do what is good. We expose the charlatans. We preach the truth. Man, we're right. Our doctrine is solid. And Jesus says, no, that's not enough. I have this against you, that you've left your first love. And I think this is, a, this is something that we all will battle through with through our lives. You know, you, I, I don't know, but if you remember when you just became a Christian, you know, how it should look like is you are so excited. No ways. I'm such a stuffed up sinner. And yet Jesus loves me and he forgave me all my sin. Wow. You want to high five everybody. You want to tell everybody, have you given your life to Jesus? You're like, yes. He's amazing. And one of the wonderful things as well is you start off by knowing that you know nothing. <laughs> Pastor says, let's turn in, in, in our Bible. That happened to me. Let's turn to the book of Galatians. I'm like, dude, help. <laughs> Where's Galatians? You know, I didn't know where the books in the Bible were. I knew that I knew nothing. Which is a beautiful place to start, <laughs> wouldn't you say? And then what happens? You've listened to your hundredth sermon, read through the Bible, maybe, read so many books, listened to so many messages, you've heard it all, seen it all. What happens? Or what could possibly happen to us? We become complacent. We're like, I know. Heard that. Oh, come on, Pastor, you can do a little bit better than that today. Heard that one. Stephen Furtick, yeah, he, he does it much better, you know, so... <laughs> Come on, 
you, you know, so we become complacent because we think we know and we lose. We, we, we become complacent in our knowledge. And is knowledge bad? No, it's not. Knowledge is good. To know God is good. To know more of Him is good. But there's something more important than knowing about God. It's about knowing Him. It's about being with Him. It's about just being with Him and enjoying Him. That's what God wants. That's what He desires. He says, man, I've, I'm, you're doing all these things for me, but I'm missing you. You see, there's so many that do for God instead of being with God. And ultimately, if we keep on doing for God without being with God, we miss the whole deal. And ultimately, we will lose our way. And so Jesus speaks that and he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, turn, do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So he's speaking to this successful Ephesian church, massive church, making this huge impact on the, on the region. And he's saying, guys, if you don't come back to just being with me, this church will no longer be. Sure. I mean, Jesus, come on. We're doing all this good stuff. This is harsh. But the Lord is saying, I want to be with you. I don't only want you to do for me. You can't do for God until you have been with God. And today I want to call our hearts back to the Lord. I want to call us back to that place of intimate, passionate love for the living God. Amen. To be with Him, not only to do for Him. So I want to illustrate something. Because it, it, it reveals on a few levels, it reveals to us how God feels about us. He's passionate about you. He's jealously passionate about you. So I want to use this couple as an illustration. May I? Would you please stand? Come and I didn't even warn them. Okay. So they've been married for how long? Almost 15 years. Yes, ask the wife. 15. Okay. 15. Awesome. Okay. So... Um, Healthy marriage, blessed, awesome. Now, 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 Hanley, how would you feel if uh, Leon comes to you and he says, Honey, I love you. I love you more than any other woman. I'm, but I met this nice girl at the gym, and I don't love her. I don't love her as much as I love you. Yeah, we're just getting to know one another. Would it be okay with you if I, Leon, you know, just spend one day a month, well, one day... A week. Let's make one day a week. I want to Saturdays. I want to spend a bit of time with this um, with this girl. How would you feel? Something along the lines: I'm, I'm going to strap you to the back of my car and, and drag you through East London. I'm going to tie you to the back of the car and, and drag you through East London. Yes, something like that. That would be a righteous anger thing. Yeah. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds good. And, and the response might be, yo, yo, that's a little bit, yo, Hanley? It's a bit intense. So, okay, let's, let's relook this. What if, um, now remember, I love you more. He would say to you, I love you more than this other woman. But how about then just one hour every second week? Just one hour <laughs> at the gym. <laughs> one hour, you know, just, just uh, sharing a little bit, getting to know one another. How would you feel about that? Still, 
Ach, no man, I'm lean. This is really intense. So you want to like scratch out his eyes or something if he does that? Yes. Okay, sure. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Okay, then let's, let's, let's. Third option. How about just once a month for, say, just for an hour or so, just text, what's up? Just going to send her like, hey, how you doing? And uh, maybe a little heart and uh, something down there as well. And uh, one of those, well, I don't want to do the little kissy thing. Like, that, one, that one as, as, as well. How would you feel? Just one hour a month. How would you feel about that? And he loves you more than he loves her. And you're, the, you're number one, eh? You're number one. No. <laughs> you probably take a hammer and say, I'm going to crush that phone of yours into little pieces. Okay, but this is, her response is normal for a healthy, normal marriage. It's like, no, I want exclusivity. I want all of Leon. I want no competition. I don't want to be number, I don't want, I don't only want to be number one. I want no number two, no number three, no number four. There must be no others. Do you agree? Amen. Awesome. Give them a hand. That's, that's how it should be. Esli, there is no girl. There is no girl. There is no girl at the gym. Awesome. That is good to hear. But you see, this is, this is what a covenant relationship looks like. It's, it's exclusive. It's like you are one another's special one, exclusivity, no looking around. That's just, they are for one another. How much more when you and I come into a relationship with the living God and we have covenant with God, he's like, he's expecting exclusive access to our hearts and lives. Are you seeing it? And he say, I want you. I don't want competition. I don't want you to say, Jesus, I love you more than anything else. But there's all these other things that are competing for your relationship with him. You know, and I, and I think this is one of the biggest challenges. And I, I touched on this last week. There are so many other options in our lives. In the history of the world, there's never been as many options as we have currently. And it's even all of it, a lot of it on our phones. There are so many other options compared to spending quality time with God. And it is so hard to shut out the noises, the distractions, the temptations. It is such a challenge. But I believe instead of saying, oh, it's so hard, it's like, what a challenge. <laughs> what a privilege to live in the most cluttered, busy season of the history of the world. And to trust God, to help us. And we, God, I love you with all my heart. And I make time for you. And I shut out the distractions and the busyness. And I just want to be with you. That is, I think it's a good challenge. And I believe God is inviting you and me into that place. So let, let's look at this. Now Luke chapter 10, the classic uh, passage about Mary and Martha. You should know it well. It says, now it happened as I went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was hearing his word. It was good. But Martha was distracted, in this case with much serving in the kitchen. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. 
She was like righteously angry, like, why are you allowing her to leave me alone? And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Come on, say one thing. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So if the classic example, the Marys versus the Marthas. Now, we are not saying today that we're not supposed to do things or do things for God. But the focus is here on the impact on, on Martha's life. She was, Jesus said, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. If you are worried and troubled about many things today, may I put it to you that it's possibly because you're not doing a Mary. Because you're not coming to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I'm giving you all my worries, all my stresses. I'm just giving you all this stuff. Jesus, I just come to be with you. You see, there's there's this miracle that happens when we come and just be with God. We will panic less when we pray more. We will be less burdened when we come and we just worship the living God. And Mary had it right. And Jesus was like, one thing is needed. One thing. And Mary has chosen that good part. Guys, you can choose as well. You can choose as well. You can choose the right thing. To be with God. To rest at His feet. To receive His words. Now there's a few obstacles that happens. Some reasons. Some reasons why we battle to do this. One of the primary reasons I think is why we don't do this. We might do 10 minutes, but we might not do 2 hours with God sitting at his feet and just enjoying him. I think one of the the lies we believe is that this is a waste of time. It's not productive. I need to do something. I can't just sit and sort of talk into the air. (laughs) You know, surely I must do something. I must memorize five verses so that God can be impressed with me. No, you don't need to memorize necessarily. Always good to memorize. But I don't put your faith or your confidence in how many verses of the Bible you read. The older I get in the, in the Lord, the more I know that I n- don't know. <laughs> He's God, I'm not. My knowledge means very little. Although it's good to know, it's good to know the Bible, absolutely. But I don't put my faith in how much of the Bible I know. Because I, st- no, I don't know. I want to know more. So I'm pursuing Him. But one of the main reasons we tend to battle is we're like, oh, I don't want to wait. It's a waste of time. Sure, two hours I could have done like one, two, three, four, like three episodes of Netflix, man, in two hours. So that's one of the things. But if you want to be less worried and less troubled, if you want to know peace and joy, you need to do the one thing. Turn your heart to the Lord and just be. With him. Another reason I think we sometimes battle to, to just be with God is the fear. The fear of not being accepted. The fear of feeling I'm not good enough or haven't done enough or God is angry with me. But the fear of not being accepted. And that's a lie. God is opening his arms wide and saying, come, I want you to be in my presence. Then the third area I think is one of the toughest connected to the fear one. But it's self-condemnation. Hunley touched on it as well. Self-condemnation. I feel this... I, This is a massive issue. There's these voices that accuse us. I shared about this last week as well. But when our hearts, our own hearts begin to accuse us, when we 
allow the enemy's arrows to hit our hearts and we become to, you're not good enough, you've not done enough, you can't come, who the heck do you think you are? And there's self-accusation. And I read this verse last week that says, but if our, our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? He's greater than our hearts. Don't allow even yourself to accuse you. Just say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless Him, for I am worthy because of what Jesus has done. This is a massive challenge. You need to say, shut up. (laughs) Voice that says I'm not good enough. I am. Who are you to condemn yourself when your heavenly Father does not? Who are you? To condemn yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Allow the love of God to flow in and to say, God is saying, I want to spend time with you. So this weekend, me and my son, my wife's away, so we've been having survival time. <laughs> Survive the weekend without mom. That's the mission. And it's just been awesome just to spend time with Vian. And, and, and it's just, he's 10 years old and I don't know if it's normal, but there's, we've, we've, there's a lot of intimacy in a sense. You know, he would come and lie in my arm and, arms and, and, and he'd kiss me and, you know, and he'd just be like, Dad, it's so nice to just you and me to be together. You know, and my do mind, I want to do stuff, you know, so I want to like, just be. Just be. Just be with your son because he's a world changer. He's going to do a hundred times more than I will do in my lifetime. It's a good investment. That's how I tell myself too. This is a good investment. This is a good investment. He's a world changer. But I realize I need to just let go. We're going to play Rummy Cub now. Rummy Cub. You know. Um, but that's where real relationship happens. Where you're just together. And I believe God is calling you and me just to be with Him. You can't do for God until you have been with God. And so we need to overcome this. It's not a waste of time to just put out an hour or two and just be with God. It is, don't allow the enemy to bring fear to you because we're so afraid of quiet. Just, no, just, just be. And silence the voice of that condemnation. Your father does not condemn you. Your heavenly father does not condemn you. He loves to be with you. It is the highlight of his day when you focus on him. Amen. He's longing for it. And I really believe what this message is about, this prophetic message is God is calling us, the bride of Christ, to come and be. You know, the, the, I shared with the youth on Friday night, the, the highlight of a marital relationship is when, you know, at the restaurant, candlelit dinner, and you're just looking into one another's eyes, undistracted, and you're just enjoying the time together. It's beautiful. God is longing for you. To sit candlelight, focused, not looking over the shoulder. Oh, come on, Stormers, you suck again. This, oh, you suck again. Go Sharks. Do not be distracted, just you. Eh? All the men in the house, the husbands would know this. When I go to a coffee shop or restaurant, I always look where the TV, where the TV, where the TV, and then I sit with my back to the TV. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm distracted. And then my, my wife says to me, you're distracted. Be focused. So God is calling in me to be focused. So a few practical things of how you can do this on a daily basis. Make time. Preferably in the morning. Get up a little bit earlier. 
have a quiet spot in the house. Try not to lie on your bed. You're going to sleep. Okay? Quiet, undistracted spot. Open his word. This is some of the most beautiful, most wonderful moments in life is to open his word and to just be with him. God, what are you saying today? Just pour over his word and to listen to what he's saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. and Just let God speak to you. Oh, it's amazing. And then just intimate fellowship, just sharing your heart. And then further, just say, God, oh, that thing's stressing me up. I'm giving it to you. And just to hear his voice say to you, I've got it. I'm going to sort it out for you. I'm your daddy. <laughs> I'm going to sort it out for you. But you have to go and give those burdens. Otherwise, you're going to carry them and you're going to be distracted. And your, your, your passionate love for the Lord will dwindle. And you lose. So let's turn back to the Lord today. So he says then in verse 5, Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, he says, or else, now this is the significant consequences, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Quickly. In other words, don't wait for next week. Don't wait for next month. Then say one day I'm going to sort out my life. With God it might be too late. Because there's this, this, this dullness that settles in upon our hearts. He says, remember how it was at the start. Remember that passion. Remember that excitement. Remember that joy and that thanksgiving and that childlike passion with God. Remember. But if you keep on feeding yourself with all the other things, and you keep on waiting and, and neglecting, and you keep on, you get used to having this dry, boring, lifeless, distracted relationship that's no longer a relationship don't forget let the lord breathe life as we sang this morning like lord light the fire in our hearts a holy passion for you a holy passion for you that is when you come alive now the lampstand say i'm going to come i'm going to remove the lampstand that lampstand represents the presence and the power of the holy spirit I believe it. It represents the light that the church is that shines to the world. So the Lord is saying, um, if, if this continues and continues and you slide down, there's, the, there's come a point that I'm going to remove the lampstand. You're going to be like a country club. There might still be many people in the church. But God won't be present. And that nightmare, that's Ichabod, that's the glory has departed. That is, oh Lord, we're doing religion, but you are no longer present. Going through the motions, because eh? we know the motions. If you're a charismatic church, like you know, yeah, we raise our hand, we clap, we sing, we seem excited. <laughs> but are we? You see, what happens is we love, and I think this happened to this church in Ephesus. They loved the things of God, but they didn't love God. So you can love worship, but you don't love worshiping Jesus. You love the worship music. You can love the Bible, the, the theology, and the being right. And the rest of you are going to hell, but I'm right. <laughs> you know? But you miss this heart love relationship with the living God. We mustn't love the things of God more than we love Him, God Himself. Amen. Or we lose our way. So I was listening to a, a, a while ago. Most of you probably have heard of Benny Hinn and. Uh, he just shared something that was, and, and obviously he's a very controversial figure, and he has made many mistakes in the past in terms of especially the, the, the theology around prosperity, and he's repented about that over this last year or so. I read something where he said he, he's made 
mistakes, and he has, um, in terms of the way they've used finances or spoke about it. But he was here in East London in 2016. He was at the River Church, and I, I wanted, like, I want to go see. I've never really seen his ministry, so I wanted to, like, experience it. And, and I've, I've read one of his books years ago. It's called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've read it. Yeah, inspirational. Amazing. Now, Benny Hinn is an undeniably anointed man of God, despite the controversies. But he started off passionate about God. He started off like in Good Morning, Holy Spirit. It was just days in the presence of God, just sitting at the feet of the Lord. And things happened in his life there. The power of God came upon his life. Signs and wonders began to follow, and the Lord promoted him. But over time, it seems that he sort of lost his way. And in 2016, at the River Church, he shared, I've never seen a televangelist be this honest, this blunt, and this real. I was, I was just shocked. And he shared, basically, in 2010, he, his wife divorced him. In 2015, they remarried. So that's a good story. Praise God. But during those five years... It basically came down to that he lost his passion for Jesus. And he shared that he, he, he believes there are two anointings. There's an anointing on your heart, which is that place of intimacy with God. And then there's an anointing upon you for ministry. You see, the anointing within you is for yourself, that intimate place. And the anointing upon you is for others. And he shared, like over those five years, from 2010 to 2015, he would get onto stage and suddenly God would be there. He said, incredible miracles, incredible things would happen. And then the moment he would get off stage, God was missing. God was nowhere. He didn't have intimacy with God. He didn't feel his presence. He was, but he was still doing ministry. And he was going down a, down a, down a slide. And so he says in 2015, he had a near-death experience. So he, went, he, was, he was taken to hospital. If it was two hours later, he would have been dead. So he's in hospital, he's recovering, and while he was in hospital, he had this dream. And he said this has turned his life around. He said he was at the gates of heaven in this dream, and he saw a long line of people standing before the pearly gates, all clothed in white, Christians who are excited and expectant to go in to heaven. And he says one by one, they would step forward and then Jesus would be standing there, and he would look at them, and then he would go, this or this. And when he goes like this, this horrible music played, and the people were dragged away to hell. And he said, eight out of ten people were dragged away. And then he says, (laughs) and then his time came. He's a minister of the gospel, but he's lost his intimate love relationship with God. He's lost his first love. And so he came forward terrified, and then Jesus just looked at him, and Jesus didn't shake his head. or He just looked at him and said, I'm watching you. Don't mess this up. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> yes, sir. But that brought significant change into his life. You see, we, we love to focus on the love component because God is love. Yes, he is. But he's holy. And there's this point of sliding away where we lose our way and we lose our salvation. So it's not nice to to hear this, but it's still the truth. It's still the truth. And we need to evaluate our hearts. You need to evaluate your heart. Where are you at? Do you have a passionate love 
for Jesus Christ. Do you love the Lord your God? And I know we none of us are there, but the command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with your whole being. Why? Because it's good for you. It's freedom for you. And God loves it when he's with us and when we are with him. But, so, but where are you at in your heart? And I'm not saying this to condemn. I'm just saying this because this is what repentance looks like. Repentance is, oh, my soul, I need to change stuff. <laughs> and then I can't change myself. So God, please help me. I've, I've lost that original passion. I've, I've become old, spiritually speaking, you know, dry into maybe overly intellectual. Intellectual is good, but not only intellectual. And then the last verse, Revelation 3, 2 verse 7 It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hear, guys, let's hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God is calling us to intimate, a place of intimacy with him. A place of just being with him. You are not a human doing. You are a human being. (laughs) So you, you, you must just be with God. And then you can do. You see, you won't be able to help yourself when, you, when you're just being with God. You want to help yourself. You will, you will do. You will reach out. You will share. You will tell people. You will pray. You will want to see the kingdom of God come. Because you are changed when that fire is lit on the inside of your heart. But it says there, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He who overcomes. He will eat from the tree of life. And that speaks of eternal salvation, but I also believe it speaks of here and now receiving the life of God into our being so we can be a blessing to those who are around us. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.